Yeah, I was thinking about something with China, but uh, if you're going to release the uh, the book information, I, I'm thinking about doing. I think Russian may be the best language to go with there. Because if you release it in Russian, then eventually someone in Russia or some Chinese person would read it and translate it to Chinese. Eventually. Just because they have such close ties and their borders are together, you know? At least I would hope so. <clears throat> but yeah, I was thinking about Chinese. This is why I came up with the Chinese. <clears throat> you know, it's hard to say something negative about the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party. About them being offense, offensed by it, right? How do you can you say something negative about such a, a strong party of control <clears throat> and not offend them, you know? But you know, I try not I try not to really say things to offend them, you know. I just want them to see that, you know, even though you did what you did or you created a system that is what it is. You, know, you did so under the mindset of being a controlling human, of trying to you know, have this top-down hierarchical control system where you got one guy at the top and all the people below him that do what he says to get the whole system to work in the image and thought and ideology of that one guy on the top. You know, and all the people below him, they're kind of close, right? I mean, isn't it, it isn't the Communist Party of China the People's Party? You know, I know that really rubs in the wrong way because it, it's basically, you know, saying, well, then you don't believe I'm in charge, right? But, you know, you, you gotta think back, back when communism first started in China, the People's Party was the People's Party. You know, the people who like started the revolution, I think, you know, it's just like Lenin. The people who started it actually were of the people. And they thought they were doing things for the people to help the people. But in doing that, they do what every human does who has power. They brought the power together into like a very hierarchical structured system that concentrates it and brings its wealth together and its its ability to be directed by a few in charge. You know, it concentrated power. Just it's just like took an empty hand of people, right? Like you imagine your hands open and you get like it's like a sphere, a red sphere, right? And the red sphere is like <clears throat> the people of China, boom, and you can just squeeze that sphere, that like Dragon Ball, for all it's worth, to make it do what you want. That's what the power is. It's like you have that sphere in your hand, that Dragon Ball, and you exert pressure on it, and you think about it, and your little hand twitches, or you know, one of your fingers moves. It's like you pressed into the, the skin of that sphere and created pressure. 
You know, it's not like a hard sphere. It's like it's like a soft sphere. And that pressure like creates the red to go to like I don't know a gold, right? You like pump a little bit of pressure and power into that sphere. You know, molding that red sphere. You know, that hand of the gold communist China on the top, the hierarchical power, that star, that hand. Yeah, that's what you gotta imagine that star is. It's a hand. It exerts pressure on that 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 dragon ball, that red sphere of the human cost and the human I shouldn't say cost, that human you it's really hard to say something that would be so negative to like point at what they what they do to control people with. It's like unless you like can put your finger on it and see what it is that is in your mind is what's causing you to like have that that deep down just basic instinct of humanity to want to control people. I mean that's what you're doing. You know, you're clenching your fist. You know, you're like, you're trying to control the world. That's what hierarchy of power does. In your mind, it's like, if you were a Confucius person or a Buddhist person, you'd be like, my mind is about clenching and controlling and making and molding the world and what I demand it to be. You know, and is, is that like, you know, that concentration of power and that, that golden hand pressing it, you know, clutching the Chinese human, you know, populace that it holds in its grip. You know, is it doing it for the betterment of people? You know, that's what I gotta ask you. I mean, take your time. Put it on pause. You know, discuss. You know, if not discuss, discuss it in your brain. You know? And I think a good symbol for the Chinese party or the people, the actual people. Maybe like a golden fist outlined in red, right? Not only does it represent, you know, the power of the people, you know, us, the people, the fist, right? The golden fist, the yellow fist, the Chinese golden fist, the power of the people. But it also represents, you know, that star of grasping power in its fist you know the current chinese system of concentration of power in one man's hand z he's not a bad guy i like the guy actually i think he's cool you know he's done a lot to change china in certain ways but in a lot of ways he's also done a lot to clench that fist if it's not a real clenching it's a soft clenching with you know, rules that are draconian in a lot of modern standard ways of thinking about it. 
that can be implemented at a time, and you can like just crack that whip, and we go right back to 1950s China. You know, that's that's the power that he exerts, you know, either directly or indirectly with those laws, to go back to ancient communist Chinese rule of law of the you know 80s or 70s or 60s, right? To happen anytime. All I got is flip that switch of you've gone from not enforcing it to enforcing it. You know, they have the laws on the books. And they can enforce it at any time. And it's like the people buy into it and they allow it to happen because you know, they're very lax on all those laws. People can have an open and free and thinking society to an extent, as long as you don't criticize the Communist Party, right? As long as they don't lose power and control. You know, that's the agreement to allow them to have these, like, this, like, invisible hand of possible, you know, communist party coming back in its 1960 style, right? But it's not there. It's invisible. Like the laws of invisibility of that, that old red guard is just like, it's just lingering in the air and in the, in the laws, right? <clears throat> All I could do is like make a phone call and then jackboots come marching out. You know, and you got a uh, a soldier on every corner. You know, that's where it could go. And you got to ask yourself, who are those soldiers? You know, are those soldiers there for the, the, the few on the top with that clenched golden fist, right? Already there for the everyone on the bottom, the fist of China. You know, the golden hand of the Chinese people, you know, surrounded by like a red fire. Now, that's what I also imagine it like you know, golden hand outlined red and then like a red fire. Like where it curves up, you know, kind of like one and a half times bigger in the hand and it's like a, a couple leaves on the top. But yeah, it can have a dual meaning. And in that hand it's like what's in that hand? You open it up, the hand can be open, right? And in the center of it it's red. There's a red center. Instead of a clenched fist, we can change it from a red a red clenched fist to represent two things, you know. The solution of the problem, bringing the power power back to the people. <clears throat> and the problem, which is the hierarchical structures of Western power that, you know, the whole communist system was supposed to be against in the first place, quite honestly. You know, they say they're the Communist Party, but it's like, okay, well, then why aren't you the Communist Party? Or why aren't you representing the people? You know, that's hard to understand. So it represents two two things in the front, like a clenched fist, that, you know, the solution and the problem. That the Communist Party today, even in its own ideology, doesn't represent the people because it's not the people. If it was the people, then why isn't any, everyone in the Communist Party? Why isn't every single Chinese person a member of the Communist Party? And if it really is the party of the people, then why doesn't everyone get a vote and a say in something? I mean, that, that's what it means to me. I mean, quite honestly, if everyone had a vote and a say in the system, and it was like basically a consensus system where 
the ideals and thoughts and feelings of the Chinese people was actually known in a transparent system. You know, it would be the party of the people. I'm sure you have spokespersons that maybe were <clears throat> more leadership kind of quality people. I don't want to sound positive or negative there, but instead of just your politocrats, you know, people just constantly vie for power, but actual leadership to you know have thoughtful dialogue and change, and, you know, te technologically and logically and thought-driven change. You know, that's what needs to happen. Do you imagine? You know, you know, Chinese Chinese power. You know, that clenches its fist on that ball and tries to exert power on the Chinese people. You know, you're doing that because you want China to be great, right? You want China to like just kind of rule the world in a way. You know, let's let's be honest. Everyone wants to rule the world, right? That's the goal of the most powerful peoples in the world. Yeah, you know, they can always dream about it, but it'll probably never happen because to rule the world is to make a world of absolute hate, I guess. If you're in the world that way, of course. But you know, it also exemplifies a lot of my thoughts. But you know, you can either have that <clears throat> that clenched fist, you know, or you could like let it go. You know, and if you let the Chinese people go to like have a consensus system where the people you know could think and reason and you know come together like a billion people coming up with the best ideas, right? Imagine how powerful the Chinese people and country and you know culture would be if you just let them go, right? If you want to make China the biggest power in the world, let the people go and like like let them uh, run their own world. You know, there's nothing different between, to me in my eyes, between democracy. And communism on the most basic level that they both are supposedly the will of the people, right? You know, that's what they both claim on the base, most base core. Chinese, I mean not Chinese, but communism and democracy are very much the same. It, it really comes down to a difference of, you know, who they think has ownership of things. In a communist system, like the ownership is you know, the ownership of everything is is of the people for the good of the people, right? So it's communally owned. Whereas democracy system, everything is individually owned. It's the exact opposite. Like the perceptions of ownership. In a democracy, like ownership is like absolute. What's yours is yours. So you get a lot of, <clears throat> you get the fragmentation of ownership of goods and public goods, I guess. You know, and this is where capitalism really works with democracy, right? It gets everyone to vie for each other to compete. You know, it creates, creates a good power structure, capitalism, democracy, competition. It's like a cap on top of a, a bunch of little pegs, you know? communism it's like you still have the pegs on the bottom where everyone's the same everyone has 
to say, supposedly, in the original doctrine of the most base level of what they knew. But the ownership was communal. It's almost like, I don't know, a dot in a giant sphere or a circle. Yeah. Where, <clears throat> where the, uh, Everyone has a say. They'd be in the center of that sphere, but all the things that are owned are around them and it and surrounds them equally, right? That's how you gotta imagine like a communal owned free communist system that where everyone has a say and everyone gets an equal piece, everyone gets a share fair share. But like the people are in the center. The billion people are like this golden center, right? And everything everyone owns, like governmental buildings and governmental <clears throat> construction equipment and governmental, you know, huge projects that they build in, right? Shipping, everything. You know, it's all owned by government, but it's all for the benefit of the people who are within it. See what I'm saying? Everyone gives up their right to individually own it. It works better for everyone because everything works at its max efficiency and max utility, right? Like construction equipment. If it just sits around individually owned, then it never gets utilized. But if it's communally owned, it can always be utilized. <clears throat> of course, you have to build in, build in replacement and upkeep. <clears throat> That's where it usually falls short. In a system like that, you got a plan for maintenance, upkeep, and investment, and change, and and uh, efficiencies, and <clears throat> and high quality. You got you got to adjust for things like that. You can't just keep it the same. You know that that's that's the opposite. That's why the other one is the opposite. <clears throat> With democracy and capitalism, it's like everyone vies for making the best, being the most competitive. So it's all about <clears throat> making the best thing there is. And instead you're you're spearing out. You're trying to reach out the furthest you can with competition. So all these different like ever all these different spears can come out from the center. And whichever one comes out the furthest, you know, takes over, boom. And you just have like these different layers. A spear in different parts of society, I guess you could say. Because you get like the max <clears throat> because it's fine in our world we have today because it's financially viable, you get the maximum <clears throat> effectiveness of all the things that you could put into something in research and development to be the best. You know, like Apple. Look at all they've done. Boom. You got Apple and Samsung in a competitive market. That's why they did well. Because they were financially incentivized and rewarded for doing well. And this is why capitalism works and competition. You know, I get it. They both work. But I would love to see a hybrid between the two. Where you had competition to do the best you can, but at the same time, you work together. 
standardization, combined research and development. You know, longevity of the design, interchangeable parts. Probably my biggest, biggest change would be interchangeable parts. Not only be in your own corporations, but in industries like car parts. Why the fuck can't we get car parts down to at least ten percent of what we have today? I mean, that's step one in changing the auto industry. You want to fix the auto industry and make it efficient and flexible and durable and the best it can ever be is you know standardize your parts and then you can design things that are good that are going to last a long time and that can be replaced easily and look it's like we actually fixed the world because we're creating designs that trickle down wheels slickly into the lower rungs of the economies if we ever did if we still have a segregated economy so some last like is it 10 years they last like 40 or 50 years and it's easy to replace you find parts for it you know that's going to trickle down to the lower rungs of society they can still use it you know it's your innovation that makes things better and even more efficient you know that eventually phases that stuff out that's what i say and that's how you really move technology in the world forward you know instead of basing your systems on you know, gain and recognition or whatever and money. You um instead of basing on like replacement thing replacing itself and designing things to break and, and making it complicated and changing all the time and you know, just endless complexity to make things expensive and justify it, right? You know, that's why it is there to justify all that high expenses that people pay on cars. So it's like the largest business in the world. You know, instead of doing that you make it so it's dependable and lasts a long time and it's easy to fix and it's all these like good things I've been talking about and then instead of like maintaining a, a business that's based on the old way you develop like technology you'd be higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and then you create a business model on actual change you know making technology better that's what makes you that's what drives your business to like get people to buy new things you know a car made today if it was like all these things i'm talking about and a car made a car made 30 or 50 years from now the one in 30 or 50 years from now will blow the ones away today you know what would you use the ones you can make today like the newest prius it's the greatest thing today but in 50 or 60 years if people adopted a new model of, of research development being the number one you know, number one drive, you know, to, to do sales and create commerce and, you know, create value for the world, and then, you know, cars would be like something out of sci-fi books, or out of something out of uh, some, like, Star Wars show I've seen, or Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's no reason we can't have all these crazy concept internet cars we have thought about online reality you know where's my blade rider hovering car that's why i want to know why haven't we have cars that levitate and fly around you know instead of carrying heavy batteries it just electrifies itself as it flies over poles you know that's like future thinking but you could do that 
especially with a worldwide grid of electricity. You know, you don't need all these heavy batteries. Just as you're flying along, you go from pole to pole to pole. You have just enough battery to go to each one. You know, you need to find that perfect balance between you know, battery life and pole distance. <clears throat> you know, and eventually, they just get better and better. <clears throat> you know, wouldn't that be a better world to be living? You know, if we had cars like in Blade Runner that float up to the sky and then get onto a spaceship, and that spaceship can take us anywhere in the galaxy, you know, or the, not the galaxy, but at least in, you know, our solar system, right? That would be great. That would be great. You know, but all the industries have to invest their time and money into making vehicles actually better and efficient instead of making them more complicated and convoluted to maximize profit to just be lazy you know that's the thing they're just lazy they want to just keep you know, producing the same cars they made 20 30 40 years ago and all they do is they tweak the bodies a little you know they move some panels around or they make the interiors a little more artsy or newer you know make it a little efficiency a little better right not a lot you know still got to give something you want to you want to give these people in the future you know more efficiency that's what they always say that's what gets people to buy and that and you know the, the looks right <clears throat> but I say you just need to throw all that mindset out the window you need to base it on making cars better and better like just efficient you know Less complicated, interchangeable parts, easy to fix, easy to work on. Um, autonomous. You know, they plug in, they can plug into anything, like anywhere. You know, it's, 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 they should be. I'm getting the cars here. I thought about this morning. <clears throat> but cars are, cars are a tough one. People are really accustomed to living like they do with the cars they have. But really, um, I'd eventually like to see them like spaceships. I mean, why can't everyone just have a, a small spaceship? Or at least an Earthship. You don't have to get on an airplane and fly somewhere anymore. You can just you can get in your drone, go to sleep. Freaking 12 hours later, you're in the state you want to go to. That's it. That's all you got to do. No more going to the airport. No more driving down the road. <clears throat> Just get in your drone. You know, the, the seats fold back. It makes a bed, right? You know, put you put the light out. You make it so you can't see. You push go here. You know, I'm going to go to, I don't know, Calgary, Canada, right? And I'll just fly along all night long. You know, time to destination, five hours. You know, I'm in a drone, I'm going like 100 miles an hour. Maybe five hours, probably more than five hours. More like, what, 10 hours? Yeah. 10 hour snooze. What do I do? Around nine o'clock, get in my drone, program it. Do, 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 do. Close the door, turn off the lights, start reading a book. You know, do some surfing on the web. You know, you look at some porn around 11, 11 o'clock, go to sleep. And I wake up, 
What? Oh, man. 10 a.m. Parked at the parking garage. Step out. Car gets parked. I walk away. You know, that, it's as easy as that. That's why I imagine the world being in the future. No more airports. No more freaking highways. Well, you're going to need highways for still moving physical goods, but really, high-speed rail would be the way to go on that. Just get rid of the whole highway system. You know, drones and drones and high-speed rail. That's the future. And you just link up high-speed rail, not everywhere, but major city megacities. You just make megacities. Maybe next to major cities. Just planned cities that are just like an organism. Stuff comes in, it gets moved around, it's in it's in citywide automated systems, you know, it provides sustenance and everything people need to survive, and then it gets pushed out into a recycling program and it heads out the train the other direction. You know, that's that's the kind of city I imagine. Not this just like endless everything just like explodes into everywhere and then it has to come back together. That is just like the hardest thing to do. Houses everywhere, no sorts of community, you know, food and you know disposal of everything you need. I mean, it has to be like a society should be like an organism. You have to imagine it like things come in, it gets dispersed, it gets moved around and utilized, and then it goes back out. That's how it needs to be. <clears throat> you know, with drones, it's like you can either get on that high-speed rail or you can get on a drone. You can be on the other side of the country or the world. That's what I'm saying. There's no reason you couldn't do either. I mean, that's what the world I envision is going to be eventually. Once you get rid of all these borders, and sure, you can still say you live in Canada but or Mexico, but, you know, really... You live in the northern continent of America. You know, that's what the future is. We are from the northern American continent. Or you are from the southern American continent. Or you're from Africa. Or you're from, you know, whatever. But what I'm saying is eventually people start moving around and, you know, changing, exchanging cultures and you know, being able to, like, move around the world like this. And you have, like, a society where people are more accepting and understanding of one another. <clears throat> you You know, getting back to the cars is like by making cars like simplified and easy to work and fix on and everywhere it kind of pushes it so that companies have to focus on making things better better and better and better they're pushing the envelope not just making cars like you know the usual yada yada reasons but 
making them so that they fly. How about that? Or that they can drive themselves. Or, you know, 100%. Like, you just, like, literally go to sleep and wake up in another town. I'd be fine with it. If cars could do that, sure. If I have to sit there and watch it all the time and I can't go to sleep, no. You know, that's where I draw the line at cars having fully autonomous or not. And cars have got to be, so if you're going to have autonomous vehicles, I should be able to go to sleep and wake up the next day in another city. That's all I'm saying. If you can't do that with cars and autonomy, then what the fuck's the point? Other than you want to take away control for the for, for some convenience, right? That's what it would be. Take away control for, for convenience. Unless cars can, like, go to the point where you just go to sleep and wake up in our town, I say no. With all these changes in technology, even if you bring uh, high-speed rail and drones so you can solve the problems of short and long range of transportation for humanity, I think it would be great to uh, bring back the, the airships, you know, bring back the Zeppelins, bring back luxury to travel. Because you know, what's more interesting to look at the ground with, you know, going by train from one town to the next, chugging along with Amtrak, or zipping by in a high-speed rail, which, you know, would be available anyways, or floating through the clouds, you know, low enough to see what's going on, but high enough to be like, man, I'm floating through the air kind of feeling, right? And on these ships, you could have gambling, you could have entertainment, you could have, you know, video game, 3D parties, I don't know, whatever. And you just fly around in them, town to town. And we're all going to go from this town to that town on the airship. Do it in style. Have rock concerts. I mean, I don't know. There's literally endless things you can do on airships. The airships would make the most mundane things that we do today interesting. And I, quite frankly, if no one's ever been on an airship, and I've never been on one, but I can imagine what it's like. And it's like, man, you imagine that? You're floating through the sky, and you're doing shit. 
I mean, that's, that's way cooler than floating through the water and doing shit. And when's the last time you, like, have you ever been on a cruise? I mean, it's just like, man, I'm doing all this crazy stuff. I'm walking around, experiencing life on a cruise in the water. Can you imagine what it would be like doing that same stuff, but in the air, over land, over, like, just, like, the beauty of it. And it's just, it's just such a way to travel. I just don't don't think people would get until they've tried it. And I've never tried it, but I sure would love to try it. I just imagine like traveling around from city to city, you know, hooking up in Seattle near the Space Needle, right, and getting off your airship. You know, you just flew in from like San Francisco, you know, over the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, that's how you traveled around. That's an interesting way to travel. You know, it's not like seeing those same sights from a train. Seeing that same sight from a train like, ugh, the dreariness of it, right? I mean, it looks cool. But at the same time, it's just like, hmm, I feel small. But when you're in an airship, like, man, you feel huge. It's like, man, this is such a cool perspective to see the cities at. That is interesting flying to me. And then you're, like, doing things while you're doing it. It's like a nice restaurant, casino, video gaming, I don't know, dancing. You know, instead of being like sardined into like a little can to fly to here to there, that's what everyone does nowadays. They they all get sardined into a white can with little wings and, you know, flown as economically as they can across the world. You know, so the rich can have more worldwide mass transit today. You know, instead of that, we could have airships where you could have an interesting evening going from one city to the next doing interesting things. I think that'd be awesome. You know, that's the way to travel. You know, people wouldn't travel in the future just to get someone real fast or was on time. Because you can do things while you're traveling in an airship. You can't, like... You know, do your office stuff at night or during the day on an air sh- on a normal plane trip, right? Or even on a plane on a, on a train because you know who can, who can concentrate on a train? It's just nothing but and it's like either it would be too fast because you're in a a speed train and you would get there too soon, or you would go there too slow in a normal train like we have in America, what we call normal, or it's super annoying. You, you get there so slow, you don't even want to take it, right? It takes like a day to get anywhere. But with an airship, it's like you have all the time in the world. You can actually do something because you can sit down at a desk and do something. You can actually get things. You can like write a book while you're on an airship traveling from one city to the next. It just changes the experience of travel. It's just like a cruise. If anyone's ever been on a cruise, I highly recommend it. It's really interesting. I've only done it once in my life. It's probably the one thing I've ever done where I've actually gone on, quote, unquote, gone on vacation, you know? Like doing vacationing things. Yeah. It's so unusual to actually go scuba diving. <laughs>
thinking back on it. It's very interesting. That, that's that's what gives me some insight of what it would be like to be on an airship. Because it, it equates a lot to me, like, being on a cruise. Like, you're just, like, you're just hovering above the world, right? On a, on a cruise ship, you can almost feel like that. Because if you get up on the top deck and you look over, it's like, man, I don't even feel like I'm on a boat. I feel like I'm flying, you know? I look over the bow and I'm like, I look over and it's like, look at the horizon. Look at the water. It's like, man, I'm flying. I'm as high as like a giant building up here. Like you can feel like that even on the lower decks, quite honestly. I can only imagine how much more amplified that feeling would be, you know, on an airship, a little higher up. And then at the same time, all the scenery is, you know, cities and things that you can look at while you fly along, monuments, natural wonders. There's so many cool things you look at in America if you flew by an airship, but no one ever does because they fly around in airplanes, right? And when you're flying around in an airplane that could look at those monuments and natural wonders and the uh, the cities, it's in a small plane. It's just not the same. You're like strapped in, it's like just flying along. That's it. The only way to ever really experience that feeling would be flying around in a small plane. And it's a completely different feeling walking around on like a cruise ship feeling airship. I'm telling you, airships are where it would be at. Then even cooler would be kind of space, but then it's like, eh, it's one picture. And there's a globe spinning around below you. It's a cool picture. After a while, it'd be like, hmm, there's no detail. It's just a giant, giant globe spinning around. You know, that's what like traveling around in space would be like if you're in orbit. And once you've been up there, at any one of the spots that you could go in multiple satellites or stations, space stations, it'd all kind of feel the same. It'd be the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the moon, and Earth, right? The Earth is spinning around there. You know, the scenery doesn't change much once you get out in space. So, really, airships, I think, are the, to me, <clears throat> are the creme de la creme way of traveling the world. You know, that's where you would probably pay the highest prices to get around, right? I think the mass transit would be either your drone to get from place to place, or high-speed rail. I'm sure you could take all the, the back roads in your car still. There are still a lot of maintained roads, but the majority of them aren't anymore. And you can still drive down those. I mean, they're maintained to a certain extent. You know, they're not, like, repaved every, like, five years anymore. Maybe once every... Probably not at all. Just cleaned, right? You could just clean them. Make sure they don't get dirty. And if they get really bad spots, yeah, you can patch them here and there. Get some Kickstarter to clean up Route 66, right? But all of these roads, you won't even need anymore. Only the ones you need would be for heavy trucking. You know, moving those trucks around, get those goods around. You would totally have. You would totally get rid of the need for these huge expenditures of human capital and waste for maintaining all these road systems drones high-speed rail blimps i guess you can still keep airplanes i don't know personally i like to see them go away but yeah you could like completely get rid of the road system in today's world 
I couldn't imagine something like that happening in my lifetime. Shit. I mean, you could. If people actually did a consensus and took me seriously, then yeah, you could. I mean, that whole Hyperloop thing of, uh, what's his name? Not Nikola Tesla, but Elon Musk, right? I always think Tesla with him. I'm always like, he's like Nikola Tesla. Is he as smart as Nikola Tesla? I wonder. But uh, yeah, the hype, the Hyperloop idea, great idea. I thought of that stuff years ago, years and years ago. Except for me, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, he wants to loop it too. So it would be a constant loop. Oh, yeah. For me, it would be, instead of just looping around and, you know, the stop and go and all that, you can have the main car loop constantly going, and it can slow down and accelerate a little bit, right? But you have it constantly going, and then you either catch up or drop off from it with a smaller car to get your people on and off. So the, the, the vehicle could be much larger and much more spacious inside, I guess you could say. Because because you could open it up because you wouldn't need as much, because you wouldn't have to accelerate and decelerate to a full stop and a full start. It'd just be constant motion, right? I guess you could say. Because of that conscious constant motion, it's it's more efficient, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's more efficient. Because it never stops. The largest mass of it is constantly moving. So if you drop off the people are like say stopping somewhere, right? And then you add on people who are moving along with the largest part of the train. They catch up to it, and then people get on and off that way. And that allows you to just, like, have these on and off things where people could just sit down in, like, a tight compartmentalized, you know, acceleration and deceleration chamber. Like, basically, a uh, fuselage of a 737 MAX, right? The the, the death chamber of the, the highest, most advanced sardine can of them all. <laughs> and uh, so you just have those acceleration deceleration chambers and then once you're on there it's like it's already moving so you have to accelerate and decelerate all that openness I guess you could say I guess it would be like only really change in the hyperloop these acceleration deceleration offshoots like you got a loop, it's just constant, but then you have these stations where the loop breaks off to the right and then goes straight as well. And then you accelerate and decelerate on those breakoffs, either before or and after the main train. Could be any of them, really. I guess you could do studies on one or the other, which is better, but yep. I guess as you come in, the main train comes in, it could break off. A decelerator that would cause energy to push the one that's accelerating either in front of or behind of the train and once they're both moving at speed you know 
you know, by suction or pressure of air, because you always got to deal with the air. It helps with the acceleration, deceleration, and the magnetism that's between the two. But yeah, it's very similar to, you know, that idea is very similar to the conveyor belt system of you know, traveling between the stars at a constant rate. You know, for society to be under our own more modern ways of technology of acceleration and deceleration of using fuel, you'd have to have a conveyor belt-like system to make a, make humanity a spacefaring society. It's just, it's just the majority of the ships just constantly moving, and you drop off or you accelerate to get on to that ship when it goes to that conveyor. And that's it. You have like this short window. You drop people and goods off, and you put people and goods back on. You know, and all the parts should just be critical parts. Most everything should be uh, developed to be produced wherever you're at. There's so many resources out in space. I mean. If you're having to ship things from Earth all the time, I mean, what the fuck's the point of going out there? You should have the machinery and technology out there to either 3D print or have some processor printing everything you need. Or some some means of having a machine make it for you. And that's what humans need, need. They need to learn how to make machines to make the machines that we need in life when we get out into space. And this is why technology is that double-edged sword. It can either be used to make us slaves of the system or it can be used to make machines that make machines for us that we can use while we're in space. I mean, it could be used for good or evil. But that's all a matter of opinion. People religious don't want to go to space. They think space is evil. That's what you got to realize. It's like that, that's what the real battle is about. The religious folks of this world... Do not want to go to space. They do not want to live, lose any of their power and righteousness on what they think is being right. <clears throat> you know, once you're in space, it's like, well, are religions right? That's the first question you start asking. If you're, you know, someone who wants to live in space versus someone who wants to not live in space and follow some dogmatic religion, you know, take your pick. There's a, there's a few dozen, if not a hundred or more, of them on this planet. And none of them want to lose that, that grip they have on society, on what they say is right. You know, because they think that you're, they're saving you. Oh, are they saving you? Saving you from what? You know, the truth of the, the universe that it surrounds us and wanting to exist in it? You know, if they wanted us to exist in it, you know, we would have been developing that technology a long time ago. They would have gotten the banks and the political class to work together. Because in the end, religion is always the, the big excuse and the one thing you can't argue with in the room when it comes to justifying living in the world we live today and all its inequality and all its corruption. You know, this was like propagated back in the medieval ages with the Pope and his rule over Europe. All that bullshit that went up and went through, went 
All that bullshit that happened in Europe for hundreds of years was all justified by the Pope, the religious backing. You know, religion has that ability, and it's passed it off to, you know, finance and politics nowadays. Maybe it's lost its, you know, seat on the throne as being what is concentrates rule of power in this world today. And now it's, it's religion backing politics, and politics having the, having the rule of the gun, and law behind them, right? You know, that's how they do it today. Religion justifies and pushes through politics. And politics forces through threat of imprisonment. Or, you know, pointing a gun at you. Or threat of bringing guns to, to bear. Either nationally or internationally. You know, how do they do that? With money. Money that they create out of thin air. Money that they deprive society from having so everyone competes and debases everyone for the littlest scrap of it that they can. I mean, everyone in the world will do anything for money. If you can't find someone, offer a little more money and someone will do it. Now that's the way the world that we have today is. You know, if it was a world ruled by money, you know, politics being the mouth of religion wouldn't work anymore. And I hate to get up on my high horse, but you know, it's a it's a three part system. You know, and it's it's really hard to take apart all of them at once, but I mean I hate to sound negative, but it's like to, to, to decentralize power in this world, you need to have change. And the change you need to have is to fragment decentralized seg power segments we have into power that's for all the people of the world. I'm not talking any nationalities or systems, but it's the power of the people for the people to all the people of all the world that I'm talking about. The, all of humanity on the whole globe. The whole fucking thing, you take it in your hand, I mean, boom, the red ball again, or the golden ball in the, in the hand, or the red ball in the hand. Yeah, that's what it was. The red ball in the hand, which has a golden center, right? The hand is gold, and around the hand is a fire. You just have to imagine your, your, in your hand you have like a, a sphere. And the hand can either get your sphere in the hand... That's one of them, which is like the most telling. You know, the clenched fist and the open hand. You know, which, which, which one do you land on? This goes back to the whole Chinese thing. You know, that, and that symbolism. I think of like how humanity has this, on the tops, need to control everything. You know, that's what all these systems of power do. Not only politics or money or religion, but all of them. They just want to control humanity in their own ways. This is why I like, you know, the Chinese communist system. Because it's like, it's just like a pure red control. It's like, it is just like super centralized, um, 
that's a really word I'm trying. It's not that. It's a it's a pure representation of how those in power control, and it's very visible and easy to see that you just have this one red guard of the Chinese communist system holds the control over the entire nation in its hands by its sheer will alone because there's that threat that they'll always go back to the old communist system and they have North Korea to prove that you know they're willing to back that that country you know that that's a statement not only against the West with the rattling swords of the West that we can go back to communist system that's also a statement to their own people that they're rattling swords that we can go back to the old communist system because we support that North Korean guy who's just like the way it used to be here, right? And that's what they do. They, they put the threat of how it used to be in that as well. That's what that real pressure is. Like, mm, we could go back to that. We could go back to that. You know, if you don't do what we say, we could go back to that. Yeah. Yeah, Chinese people. We can... We, clench that claw, that golden claw around that, that sphere and we could go back to the old China, right? But we don't. You know, we just do what we say. We just do what we what we want you to do. We are the ones who have this mentality. We have to have control. You know, because that's what Confucius taught, right? That's what Taoism is all about. That's what Buddhism is all about, right? You want to control that narrative. It's like, how come you're not like that? How come you're not more, you know, theological in your mind? Like, you know, instead of trying to hold on and exert and try to control everyone to justify your existence, to justify your power, you know, why can't you just let it go? Because what, what gets me is like, you know, either you're there because you really represent the people and you want to make China great, or you're there for your own best interest. You're just like the West. You become just like America and in Europe and England and the old aristocracies of big money and big power, big politics, right? You become just like them. Or you really do want to make China great. If you really want to make China great, like I'm saying, you got to just let them go. Let, let the Chinese government, the, the government of the people, you know, be by the people. And when it's by the people, the government will be for the people. It will do what they, they'll do things for to help each other out. And guess what? When all the Chinese people in the country help each other out, well, shit, you imagine the stuff that will get done? It's crazy. Talk about, like, exerting your influence all over the globe. I mean... The Chinese economy would vastly surpass the American economy in a heartbeat, quite honestly. I mean, if you really want to, like, take over the world, you can't do it with guns nowadays. That'll never work. That is just unacceptable, right? But you can take over the world through Chinese, you know, culture, working together and, you know, helping each other out. And every person has a voice and say in their own government because their government listens to them because they are the government. You know, if every Chinese person was a communist, you know, part of the communist system, the communist party had one vote and consensus ruled, and then boom, 
We talk about an efficient system. Shit would get done, and it, but everyone would agree to it because everyone believes in the consensus system. I mean, that's what the Communist Party is at its core. But they've taken it and made it into a hierarchical system, just like the West does. You know, you know, in a changeover from communism into the pseudo-capitalism, you've become the dragon you've chased. You know, you know, you're trying to like stop the West forever, stop the West, and then you try to become like them. You know, to catch up and you know be powerful in a Western way, right? But you become just like the West in the way you do things. You've hierarchicalized and concentrated your power and control so much more than you used to. You know, whatever happened to that ideal that, you know, the communist system and the party was of the people. It, it, at one point it was, in the beginning, I'll bet. You know, just like all hierarchical systems, it became corrupted. Just like democracy. Just like socialism. You know, just let go of that power. And you'll be surprised at just how much a consensus centralized communist, like if everyone was a communist in the country, just like a party of the people, for the people, by the people, right? It'd be super powerful. It'd be so efficient, it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Not only that, but you could utilize your whole workforce to be efficiently utilized in all parts of research and development and creation of society. Because everyone could just do whatever job they wanted and there was no financial constraints on that. You want to go work? Go work. Whatever fact you want to, just go work there. They're willing to take you on. They got stuff you can do. You go work there and it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm transparent about it. This is who I am. This is what I've done. You show up and they'll give you a job. You know, start working. And if you don't like that job anymore, you just be like, oh, I feel like going somewhere else. Then you just move to another job. You just go to where you feel as you're more comfortable. And it's like, man, that's, that's mind-blowing, Hal. I know, right? You'd have the happiest society in the world because they could do whatever job they want. And no one would be competing for jobs. Everyone would be working. You know, that's one of your biggest concerns is, like, well, we need to keep, keep everyone working. Otherwise, you're going to freak out, right? Well, guess what? Everyone could work. There's endless work for everyone. And if there's not, I mean, prepare for other things you can do. Or, you know, use your influence and marry people outside your country and try to help try, try to change the world. Or just move there. I mean, you look at it as a big negative, but like, letting go of all this power makes China the most powerful country in the world. You know, I'm, I'm pro-China all day if they did something like that. Now, you want to make a power of the people, for the people, by the people, and then use all your nuclear bombs and make nuclear power and, and empower all of Asia. I mean, man, that'd be awesome. Thumbs up, China. Cool. You know, you lead the way. That's what I say. Go for it. America's so, like, stuck in all this bullshit. I don't think we'd ever be able to lead the way, quite honestly. Maybe that's it. Maybe China. So if you try to do it in America, you can try and try and try, but Americans won't do anything until they're forced to. And eventually, 
Chinese would see America fail, but then they could show that they could do it and have a real consensus party and try to change things and lead the way. I mean, the first country to denuclearize and power not only their own country but the world with nuclear power is going to be the country that's going to be the influencer the next century, quite honestly. Because that just leads to everything else, which leads to the space race, which leads to fucking developing technology to get to other planets. It is like the first step on the the biggest freaking thing you could like say that your country ever did throughout all history. It's like you're you're the country that got together that changed the world to make it a peaceful place where everyone could work and have a say in society and do their best and make the world and everything else and around them a better place. And it just snowballed around the world because everyone in the world saw the benefits of change. You know, all we need is change, people. There's one word you need to put in your head. It's change. This is why I think the zombies should just... That's the word they should say is change. Wow, that light just came on outside. I guess that's a sign. Yeah. Change. Zombie change nation. I think that would be a good name. Zombie change nation. Because everyone's a zombie. All they're saying is change. And you want to create a nation of them. The zombie change nation. Dot org. Or dot everything. <laughs> but yeah. Zombie change nation. I think that'd be a good name. Everyone just be like, change. Change. You know. Can they stop you from speaking your mind? Sure. These countries can always stop you from speaking your mind. But can they stop you from saying the same word over and over and over in protest to get people to realize that something needs to change? I don't think they can. Could they say that everyone saying the word change is illegal? No. I wonder if the word for change is in Chinese or Russian or, yeah. Those are the big ones. Middle Eastern countries. Pakistani. I don't know. So one word needs to go out there around the world. Over and over and over. Just like constant is change. What does that mean? It means everything. I mean, go to the website and look. Because you know, when I'm done making the websites... Linking up these networks to show what you need to do to change. I mean, and people see what I'm talking about. One word means a whole shift in human consciousness in the ideas of change that I'm saying that you could do. One word means everything. You can take one word and make it equal, like, just like this. Huge, just like sweeping global change in ways you can do it. And look it up online and go, wow, it's all here. The plan for change brought to you by a message from space. Turn them off. Turn us on.
Yeah. That would be a good name for the book. The plan for change. Message from space. Turn them off. Turn us on. Have like a globe. A little switch. It's like it's going like from the bottom up. Maybe we even have the switch so it like it changes base. It's like a hologram. It goes up and down. That'd be cool. And then the this the uh, <clears throat> line coming out of the the globe to show like how you connect to outer space with that one line. That's the thing though, it's a totally different way of living. That's what people don't seem to get and I think that's what religious people are afraid of. They don't like the idea of change. They rile at the word change. Change is like saying anti-Christ or anti-Muhammad. I mean, seriously. That's what they equate the word change to. And this is why nothing ever changes. This is why they're so against change. And against the idea of the world becoming like, you know, a space age. Of becoming like a Star Trek world. It means they, it means they lose all power. Because they start losing credibility. Because in the world where people are super scientific and science meets what people would have called magic, you know, how can you say the things that are in these books that are based on stories that just have no relevance in today's society? I mean, how does it hold up over time? It doesn't. And that's what they're afraid of. Now, you could still be religious in the future, I think. But it's just like the mental awareness of just how big we are in the universe will start kicking in. And it's like, how can you even conceive that there's probably not life out there in the universe once you step out into it? Because once you step out in the universe, you know, and travel to another planet, you're just like, dang, I just went from another planet. And there are literally, because by now everyone knows about space because we're traveling in it. There are literally endless planets out there. You know, there has got to be life somewhere else on another planet. It just sinks in your head. And then it's like, well, then what's religion like on that planet? Is there a Muhammad and a Jesus Christ there too? The exact same story? Probably not. And that's where religion, that's what religion's afraid of, because they feel like, well, we're going to fall flat on our face, you know, and what we say, you know, is the gospel truth, when there's no evidence of it out there in other existences, on other planets. Unless, of course, you know, it does exist like that. I highly doubt it. Okay, guys, just Constantly, constantly, day after day after day, man, 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 man
creatures you think I'm giving you a lot. It's not even money. It's not a lot. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, change. That is definitely the word. Zombie change nation. Because we're the zombies. We're going to change this nation. And you can have like all these different nations. Like how big is the inspection that the uh, infection spread? You know, zombie change nation in Canada, zombie change nation in Mexico. Has it spread to Africa? You know, is there infections of zombie change nations in the Middle East? You know, either you're a member of zombie change nation or you're not. If you're gonna make change. And it has to be specific. It's a worldwide effort for change. Which means everyone the world wide over needs to be on the same page, right? And I give very big options for change that can be left, right, or middle. You have the option. It isn't a zero-sum game. So long as everyone's they're, they're, everyone's change is peaceful and respectful of one another. But yeah, it would be like a cool thing to see, like the zombie outbreak worldwide. You can see like all the different nations. How big is the zombie outbreak now? You know, how how many people have they got to be on a consensus-based, uh, transparent zombie change nation, right? The number gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like the infection's growing. It's growing. <laughs> ah. And everyone just keeps saying change, change. And it's like they're saying brains. But really, you know, you're trying to get people to change their brains. That's the point. Change your brain. That's what we need to change. Yeah, we need to change everything. There's, there's two meanings to this. You need to change the world, like the big plan that I have. And you need to change your brain. You need to change yourself. You need to change. I need to change. Everyone needs to change. Like the whole way of thinking on how the world should be run. That's what I'm proposing. See, I'm not proposing anarchy or chaos. And the people of the people... A government-like government social structure of a world or nations run of the people, by the people, for the people is a universally free, open society if it was direct, if it wasn't representational. And when it's like that, it's accepted as being the law of the land fully because you have no one to blame except yourself and your neighbors that the world is the way it is. You can't point to someone and be like, oh, that rich person over there or that asshole CEO or, you know, this nation of dictators is what's causing the problem. You know, everyone always points fingers when it's all these different systems. But when all the systems are the same and have changed into like a consensus-like system that can be either left, right, or middle, preferably in the middle, then there's no pointing fingers anymore. It's like, 
the fingers you point would be the people around you and yourself. It's like your finger just goes in a circle. It's me, I'm pointing at myself, and then pointing at all the people around me. This is why the world is the way we live in, because it's a consensus world. And because of that, you can either try to make change to change it, or you can accept it because it is the will of the people, direct and honest and true. Not the supposed will of the people that is not direct, not honest, and not true in the current representational governmental systems we have today. And I'm talking all of them. Literally all of them. I do not accept one government or social system for that matter for not trying to control the people which they govern or say they pretend to support. And sure, there's good people in government. There's, there's good people in finance. They mean well, but their whole mindset is wrong. Like this, this clenching of the fist and tensing of power and posturing. You know, that's what's wrong with the world. This is what needs to change. And the only way to do that is to be the exact opposite. To be open. To unclench that fist. And then when you do that, the only way that can happen is all these hierarchical systems of power have to give the power back to the people that they all say that they supposedly represent. It's like, well, <clears throat> when that day comes, would they give power back to the people? That's what I got to ask. I think probably every single one of them would pull out the National Guards <clears throat> and they'd have riot police everywhere ready to bash in anyone who wants change. This is why exactly you don't want to protest in, in huge groups. I mean, you could do that too, but I highly recommend against it, especially for the majority of the beginning and the middle of change. In the end, once it's large enough and everyone wants change, then you can assemble. Everyone can just stand there in the the capitals of the world and just say change 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 you know it's all you would hear one word change change <laughs> you know it's all you need is one word you don't need to talk and talk and talk and talk no need for it everyone can look on their phone and know what the zombie nation for change is Or Zombie Change Nation. Zombie Change Nation. The ZCN. Or the Zikin. I'm a Zikin. ZCN. Zikin. You know, it's interesting. Zombies have always fascinated me. Like, what are they thinking, you know? What goes on in a zombie's brain? 
you know, when they show them on the TV, the, the living dead, how do they perceive the world? What are their desires? What drives them to do what they do? You know, but, and then I think, you know, why can't you take that same mindset of, you know, thinking about how these people think and what drives them to do what they do to like a different level of, of the opposite of what a zombie is. This is like a mindless slave. It's someone who, you know, seeks to change their own mindset and know what's going on. You know, when... It's a good symbology for it all, I think, too. Plus, zombies are interesting and cool. It has, it has a lot of meanings to it that you could really delve into for a zombie change nation, especially the the outbreak. And you could, like, oh, look, there's more and more zombies here and there. You could show, like, it's like the zombie infection around the world of people demanding change. You know, and the message is simple and clear. You don't have to hold up signs. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to argue with politicians. You just have to say one word. Change. And you have to do one thing. Drop out. And until things change, you continue to drop out. Zombie change nation, drop out. I'm a zombie change nation, drop out. What's your ambitions in life? For the world to change. <laughs> How do you want to change? I want to reach those goals that we've set. Okay. All right. Those goals are set. That's when I'll participate again. Yeah, not before. Full change. That's the thing. If you, if you just like do these half steps, the world won't change. Please, people, believe me. I thought about it and thought about it. The people need to have the control and consensus. You can't have half measures of we're gonna we're gonna bend it, you know. So those in power, you know, are more understanding. We have safeguards to make sure they do what they say they're gonna do. Blah 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 blah. You know that that's what you get. Blah 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 blah. No one wants to hear that because it's all a bunch of lies. You know, it's the same veil they tried to put on. You know, the fragmentation of power the first couple times. That, oh, this time's different. Nope. Nope, nope. No more. The power has to be in the hands of the people. For the people. By the people. I mean, it's right in there in our Constitution of America. The greatest ideal ever thought of was a system where the people had the power. Quite honestly. That's like the greatest achievement of the idea of America is the people have the power, not the centralized powers that be. Because it's a, it's a system of for the people, by the people, by the people, or, you know, for the people, by the people. Zombie change nation. And think about the zombie thing for a while, but that really ties it together. I think zombies are the way to go. In a lot of ways. Because it's cool, but at the same time, it's, it's hip. 
at the same time everyone knows about them it gets zombies at the same time it's got a lot of message messages on where people stand fundamentally in their minds of being a zombie that's for today's society and being a zombie for change to making a, a, a different society for tomorrow you know <clears throat> I think if, uh, if you're not controlled by society yet if you're a teenager or younger you should definitely want to become a zombie change nation member well that's what's different about me I I think like an old fart yet a young person at the same time the older I get and the more I know the more I understand the, the crazy bullshit in the world and realize I ain't no shit as a young, a young person but at the same time I have a mindset as a young person You know, I can kind of recollect what it was like to think back then. You know, you just have this useful aspiration that the world is your oyster. You can do anything. You know, everything is wide open to you for whatever you want to do one day, and you'll achieve it because you're different. And then reality starts sitting in. <laughs> you know, at least in today's world, hopefully the reality sets in the future world that you can do whatever you want, and that's what I'd like to see. You know, in a society where there's no money, and what you do is the value of what you hold to say, yeah, I did things in society, so therefore, I gave a piece. I want to get a piece, right? In a world like that, where there is no money, you can go from any job you want to any job you want. So long as you have the training. It's just that easy. And if you don't have a job, you still get a piece because you're prepared to work. And no one gets left out in a society like that. And if you need things, you can go get things done. Healthcare is free. Just show up to the doctor if you're not feeling well. And who pays for it? No one. People just work there. And you work there, you just got to get, you know, some training certification online. You read it. You understand it, you check the boxes properly, and boom, you can work there. And the longer you work there, the more responsibilities you can do, the more you can get more certified. You know, like say you're working in a hospital as a nurse. You take the basic course, boom, you can go in there and start watching. Take more courses, boom. You know, your, your hourly value goes up the higher up you go. And before you know it, five years goes by and then you can do anything as a nurse. Because you've had like five years of on the job training. You get sick of being a nurse and it's like, you know, one or two years in, you're like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go be a mechanic. It's the same process. Take the basic courses. You can start working somewhere as a mechanic. They start training you. 
the higher up you go, the more courses you can take, the more things you can test you can test out of to show your proficiency, the more the value and gravity of the time that you spend working in society. And you continue working there with your will or not. <clears throat> and if they don't need people who are mechanics and you're trained in it, you can either get retrained or you can stay proficiently trained to where you're at <clears throat> and waiting for jobs to come up. But over time, it would probably deflate if you don't work. And uh, society actually needs mechanics. That's the thing. In a worldwide society where there are no borders and everyone can work and do things, you can travel anywhere in the world and go work. Anywhere in the world. You name it. You can go there. And hopefully one day anywhere in space. You want to go work on the moon? Go work on the moon. Jobs everywhere. All you got to do is pass mental evaluations or you know, pass certain tests for being in space, right? Don't want you to be space crazy. But yeah, I, the world I envision is just like, it's so far advanced than the world we have today. It's just like, I don't think people could even grasp in a lot of ways what I'm thinking. Because when you get rid of like all these control structures and people just do their part to make the system work, it becomes so much more efficient. It becomes, especially with how much human effort and labor is just wasted in this world. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it's like 50% or more is just like, every day goes up in smoke. And instead of becoming an asset to the human race, you know, people who do nothing every day become a burden on the human race. So it's even worse. You know, back to the whole Quasimodo. You got zombies versus Quasimodo. You know, zombies want Quasimodo to grow up big and strong, right? That's what we need to do. And, and I guess zombies, if you look at Quasimodo, would be like that hump in the body part. It's like, how many people or zombies who represent that, that one human, you know, those billions of people in that one human, like say their cells. How many are the zombie change nation? How big is that virus growing? When are we going to make this Quasimodo, this human walking around? It's like, right? He barely functions, but he's still human, you know? But he's controlled by that boil on top of that hump and the machine below it, which is everyone who buys into their system. How big is the virus going to get? And then eventually, <clears throat> this virus spread to not only what kitty, not only Quasimodo's hump, but Quasimodo's body, and then you know the little bump on his hump, which is the one percenters. You know, eventually, his, he, he, Quasimodo himself becomes a zombie, right? And in doing so, he becomes strong, like Quasimodo, because he's a zombie. He becomes like the ability to like shape shift. You know, get rid of that hump. The hump starts going down into his body. And just, like, gets stronger, right? Because now the hump is concerned about the body and the whole human system making it better. Because it just gets bigger and stronger. And then that little boil, it starts to, like, maybe 
go to the top of the human's brain and then leadership and it starts multiplying and instead of one percent it gets bigger and bigger and bigger you're so weird yeah the quasimodo becomes like this super zombie like even more powerful than the original zombie and then he becomes like a superhuman so you go from like quasimodo to like this like space looking human like oh i can see in the space and he just starts traveling on the stars. You know, that that's where you kind of show, like, you know, as this power structure, like, like dissolves, that it strengthens the whole system of humanity exponentially. And the question becomes like, which was better, the original version we've been going with of control structure and making humanity psyche that of a quasi-moto or a societal system where everyone works together and leadership gets bigger and bigger and better and better. Instead of being like 1%, you get leadership that's like 20, 30% of the world like has the ability to lead us into the future. While the rest of the world, like, does the actual work or prepares for it. You know, which is better? Because in the end, it's like a functioning system of the world that works that isn't under control of things. You know, it makes the whole world better. It makes life for everyone on the world better. Everyone gets to live the life they want. You're not constrained to, well, this is how things are going to be. And if people just button heads on the left and right saying, well, we're right, you're wrong, and we don't want like the way you live, and you can't live like that. And instead accepting each other as they are. You know, that's what humans need to do. Instead of clenching and being angry and posturing and saying, well, my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way. Instead, people just need to let go and accept each other as they are. The left needs to accept the right. The right needs to accept the left. You know, and while it's it'd be hard to do that, the day-to-day basis next to each other, you know, you can do that by having a three-law system on the left, right, and the middle. And if you want to be liberal, you can go live in liberal lands. And if you want to be conservative, you go live in conservative lands. If you want to be in the middle, the consensus, that's really the place to be. Because I, I highly suspect in most logically driven modern countries, that's where most people will end up wanting to be, is in the middle. A combination of the best of both worlds between the left and the right. Because honestly, both sides, conservatism and liberalism, have good points. I can see things from the views of each one. Where you want to push the envelope to make things better. But you don't want to go extreme. You know, But people are the opposite. They want to you know, go the extreme in both directions. You know, my way or the highway. Winner take all. What I say, you do. Attitude. You know, that's just the wrong answer. That will never end in anything but endless 
endless conflict and suffering. Because you will always, no matter which side rules, you will always have a left-thinking type of humanity and a right-thinking type of humanity. It's just an inevitable fact. Unless you want to kill each other off, one half of the brain of the human body cuts off the other half of the brain of the quasi-motor human body. I mean, how good is that? That'd be a good thing to show, too. It's like, ugh, I can't stand on my left hemisphere. Shoot it. That'd be like the, the Republicans. Oh, yeah, you shoot your own hemisphere. That'd be the smart thing to do. <laughs> like, you talk, is like, man, I can't stand my right brain. And then you shoot your right brain with your right hand. Not the opposite, because it's, it's the same, because the brain is the opposite. It'd be the left brain controlling your right arm. Or if you, you just be like, I can't stand my, my left brain, and your left hand goes up and shoots your left brain, because it's the right controlling the left arm, the left or right brain controlling the left arm. Maybe a smart way to show it. And that's exactly what you know that mindset of division is. It's like the left wants to destroy the right, and the right wants to destroy the left. And we will be doing what we say is the right way to do, and that's that. Now, this is what happens when you have such winner-take-all divisionary you know, tactics that humanity does you know, to be the one on the top, to be the, the victor, to be, to be the one who gains the spoils of all this endless war and division and fighting. That's what this divisionism of the left and right is. And what I'm saying is you need to come together. The left can be partly right and the right could be partly left you know and then maybe just maybe the left and the right can come to like a good center ground on a lot of stuff if they did that there's a lot of stuff being come in the center with and these laws could be the same throughout the land throughout the world and it's and if the world and if people in the other countries of the world don't want to accept it, that's fine. If you don't want to accept a new way of changing things and making the world great, that's fine. But you're not participating in it, so therefore you receive zero, absolutely zero, you know, compensation or benefit from it. Zero, nothing, nada. In all countries that, you know, or you know, peoples of the world who want to use the old system. Continue using the old system. I don't care. Go ahead. That's up to you. If you think you can do better, you can do better. That's fine. But we, the people of the new system who want change, are actually going to do better and make the world a better place. And we will lead us into the stars and beyond. That's our goal. And then, you know, either we'll see you up there or we won't. But when we're up there and you still want to cross your hands and pout and say, well, I want to, I want to do that too. Well, you're not going to have access to any of the technology at all. Anyone who does it to you will also have no access to that technology at all. And you can't be part of the problem and then you know, expect to be given 
inclusion into a world that wants change for the betterment of the world. You know, the world is willing to accept everyone into that change. But until they do, it's like, either you're in or you're out. Like you're part of one crew, or you're not part of one crew. So you just need to choose. You know, if you choose not to be, fine. Expect nothing from, you know, those who want real change. So except for free internet telecommunications. You give them that. <laughs> you know, so that people can be aware of the world, what's going on, at least. See what they're missing out on. You know, and show how these people that you know you can live in this change system simply because if you're very conservative you can stay conservative most liberals will want change so really liberal places would probably be on board for it but conservative countries especially conservative religious countries would be very against change and allowing their citizens to have you know, a more, <clears throat> a fully equal say in what goes on in the world, in their world. It's a sticky situation. How do you lead the world into the future and at the same time deprive the world of being led into that future because they want to go back to the past? It's like we're trying to pull the world out away from earth into a better world and yet there's these places here that want to pull the world back you know into a way the world used to be you know however far back they want to go you know and that's the thing just like wealth there's endless amounts of wealth of the past of how far back you want to go and you could go back a hundred years a thousand years you know, 20 years whatever you want to pick at every point in the way, no matter how far back you go on um, wanting to change the world into this utopian past that we thought we had, there's always going to be people who want to go further back or create more control. You know, there's no end to the extremism you can get with religion. You know, just look at Iran. You know, this idealized version of the 50s America has of you know wind cars and preachers and white men in charge of everything. Sure, it was cool for its time, but you can't go back to that. <clears throat> it just can't happen. Everyone will feel very much more compartmentalized into a world that, quite frankly, was only good for one group, white men. That was it. That was it. That was the only group that really had, you know, the feeling that, you know, they had equity in the world back in that day. Most people don't want to go back to that. Good luck convincing women or minorities or immigrants to want to go back to 
a version of what you think American America used to be that was so great. I mean, yeah, it might have been great at its time, but you know, for white men, but it wasn't great. It was lacking a lot of things. Most of it was understanding and empathy for other people. You know, when other cultures and the other sex it's all steeped in ignorance, disillusionment, and ignorance of how other people are and view things in the world. How would you explain all the injustice that's happened in all this time, especially back then? And that's what change is all about. Making the world a better place. You know, making a future and not looking towards the past on how to <clears throat> control society and forcing people to make change from a top-down hierarchical system. Change is about in the middle or the bottom middle up and down. And in the middle, you want to make everyone below you better. You know, and hopefully the middle will convince people on the top to help them make the world below them better. So it makes the middle stronger. And the middle comes stronger, they still try to make the world below them better. So it's kind of like the middle creates a system where because they're pushing to make the world better below them, they get support by people above them, which gives them more strength, which creates a feedback loop, which causes the people above them to maybe one or two help those below them as well. So it's almost like you trickle down from the middle, and then it, get, it kind of creates a suction action to those above them to trickle down in the middle, to trickle down from the middle like a filter to the lower, which creates more suction action to pull from the people on the top, you know, to, to create a trickle down even more. So you get like this just fiat currency just trickling down and fixing the system. And at the same time, the people on the bottom, while they had the fiat currency to help improve the world, they don't really use fiat currency other than what they need it for. And instead, you just use the, uh, the helping out network showing what you've done to help better the world instead. You know, when you want a service, I mean, why use money? Like, ever. For any service. Ever. And it's a funny thing. This whole world has gone into a service industry. Things being manufactured is all done by robots and AI, right? So, until the fiat currency system changes, and, I mean, other than physical goods, you really don't need money. You know, that, that's another benefit of the, the poor and helping them out to bring them up is then you realize that they don't, they can use not just fiat currency to change their lives and lift themselves up and better the world and not be a burden, but they can use, you know, sharing and helping without money to help change the world. They can have a hybrid system of the two. And eventually, slowly, the hybrid system can move upward everyone use it and then eventually slowly the hybrid system would start turning more into a non-fiat system because the currency would be so big that it would almost seem worthless in some ways because when people stop using it there becomes a huge excess of cash in the world and then it starts becoming less and less valuable and something you buy today for a hundred dollars 
you know, something you buy today for like, let's say you buy a soda today and it's like three or four dollars. You know, usually interest, usually, <clears throat> you know, money is devalued <clears throat> over time because they print so much of it, right? And eventually it becomes worth, you know, a, a soda will cost like four dollars or five dollars. Well, stop, people stop using that money. Well, then it doesn't become more valueless because they just print out of nowhere and, and manipulate and corrupt the system. But because stop, people stop using it, it becomes so concentrated on the top and it's not utilizing the system anymore that people on the top need to just like start throwing more and more money at it because people aren't being incentivized by that money anymore. So when they start throwing more and more money at it, you know, it devalues it because they think they can buy people out with more money. That's, that's always the mindset of those in power. Like, well, we have a lot of money. We can always throw more money at them and then people will do what we say and they'll bend, you know, their will to what we want. And, you know, and people who get that money who work on the side of, you know, remaining in the fiat system to help change the system then simply demand more. And as they get more and it becomes more valueless, they could demand more. And it's a feedback loop. You know, something people need to be aware of. This constant feedback loop of the more money you throw at you to get you to do things, the more, like, the more you demand. And I'm not talking, like, a 10% raise. I'm talking, like, a 50% raise per year or 100% raise per year. That's what I'm talking about. And the more money you make, the more you continue to empower the people below you to do more while they utilize a hybrid system. There's a feedback loop that could be created with a hybrid system from the bottom up. That, that's where I see an advantage of utilizing a fiat and helping out system on the bottom. And you help bring people up and it empowers people. And, and it encourages people not to use money as much. And then that devalues the money. Not because it's being printed like crazy, but because those in power have so much of it. And the only way to get people to do anything is just to throw more money at them. Try to convince them that the fiat way is the way to go. Not to use what they're gonna want is for you not to use a helping out system where people just help each other out. They want to maintain the establishment of currency and money between you and someone else or credit or digital currency. You know, don't make no mistake, digital currency is a trap too. Even, you know, cryptocurrencies, they could turn it into a trap. That is something that could be, that's a double-edged sword too. They, cryptocurrency could save the world, using it as a tool for freedom and just like confirmation, or it can be used to make a digital version of the world, a digital money version of the world where they can like control every transaction and know it precisely 100% and tax it 100%. Believe me, cryptocurrencies are a financial double-edged sword because they're already working on making that a super con controlled way of financing the system where the idea of them losing control of this fiat currency system they run would never happen. It can be used to set its free too. But I don't want to give them any ideas. I probably would never mention that. I probably only point some that point that out <clears throat> as it was being 
attempted to be implemented. Don't want to give them pointers. Maybe they think about it, but they don't realize that it's it's something that's kind of powerful because people believe in cryptocurrency. Yeah, that is a weak point for you know those who want to change the world is cryptocurrency. Changing the world will only happen so long as uh, <clears throat> people stop believing in the old system because the old system is so broken and corrupt. If it started to have a myconium of working, you know, so people could ease their lives instead of weary of blah blah blah, you know, and they're lazy, then you know people might buy into it, and if enough do, the movement of change ceases to exist, and you get the the gradual creep of, of the original status quo going back in the pound of hierarchical, hierarchical control, structural control systems. And then we'll go right back to where we are today eventually. Just another version of it, quite honestly. There is no stopping their ability to control that mode of control if you don't get rid of all of it at once. It's either people have all the control to the people, or the people by the people, or they don't. Either one, or you're the other. That's all there is to it. To make that half step is just to empower them more, quite honestly. You need to make a full step humanity. You need to make a step to that next stage of existence. And we need to make it together. Anyways, maybe one day humanity will do something, anything, change, 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 change.